Um, thanks for coming on today, Jess. Um, super exciting to have another tribe member um, on the podcast. So it's as we start to think of podcast topics and things to do, I start to realize how many cool people we have in here and what they do. But you're, what you're doing really kind of like aligns with what we offer and basically my real deep desired why of why I started my business. So I thought what we'd do is start with who are you and how did we meet? That's usually how I start most of the podcast. Cool. Sounds like fun. Yeah. So um, I'm Jess as yeah. well. <laughs> Thanks to 80s and 90s. <laughs> um, and I met Jess through the gym. So a little bit of Googling and I found um, Valkyrie, which I just moved to Yandina at the time. Yeah. And I believe you were pretty close to opening up uh, Valkyrie at that stage as well. Yeah, I don't think I was far from opening that. Yeah, so yeah. it was all quiet new, which was good because I felt at home. I felt like it was a learning process for everyone together. Yeah. So which was always nice when you're starting at a new place. Yeah, I feel like we've had lots of like, it feels like we're always starting here though. Like, I feel like we're always <laughs> learning, like all of us are always learning. But yeah, no, that's cool. And um, I guess we'll go straight into it. So a bit of background. So you love nutrition yeah. and food. I definitely love it. Yeah, that's good. And um, so I guess what we figure out is like what kind of spark do you want to get into nutrition and studying nutrition, et cetera, and then we'll move through to like what you're doing now. Yeah, cool. So I think um, what sparked me is I think we're all created and wired in certain ways. And for me, when I was a kid, I was always that kid who had the stethoscope around my neck. Like (laughs) I wanted to be a doctor and that was me and, you know, I was making sure everyone was okay with my plastic stethoscope, like lots of reflex texts, like testing. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, But I kind of realized probably around seven that I just didn't want to be a doctor. Like I didn't, I'd been to the doctor a few times. That's pretty early, but yeah, I think my parents taught me to really think outside of what was the norm and to challenge um, different ideas. And so I realized that I wanted to do something else and I love food. My grandma was a great cook. Yeah, cool. <laughs> My mom was a great cook. So um, I decided I wanted to be a chef. And right. so I sort of changed that. And then I was getting my hair cut one day and the, the hairdresser was actually, um, her husband was a chef. And she said, oh, no, you don't want to be a chef. You'll be up late all night. Yeah. And you won't have a life. And then, you know, what if, what if this and what if that? And my, like, little brain at separate <laughs> was like, I just want food. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's Good going food. on. Yeah, I was like, I just want to cook and I, like, I want to like love people through that. And so over time, I think as I went through school, um, you know, like typical teenage stuff, struggled with body image and eating and like played lots of sport. But where I grew up, there was no one really telling me how to eat healthily or yeah. what that even looked like. So yeah, I just don't think there was anyone in that era of our lives that would have been out like when I played touch footy I was playing high level touch and on a Wednesday night before I'd ref two men's games and play a women's game I was like 14 I'd eat mum would give me two meat pies and two slices of bread with butter no margarine oh classy yeah yeah and that's what I would eat before I went and played touch yeah and it was okay because I'd burn it off right yeah and that's right and I mean it's no reflection on our parents they were doing exactly what they were being told to do by the health resources at the time yeah but yeah there was nothing for me and I grew up in an isolated rural community so it's like you know we would do swimming club and I would have a sausage on bread or a really like a burger but it was what I wanted so it was like pineapple and meat 
on bread. And yeah. That was cool. like, that was, that was like, so good. Yeah. It was, you know, in my head it was balanced. And yeah. you know, they were and growing up isolated, you didn't have the quality of fresh fruit and vegetables. So we ate a lot of frozen stuff. Yeah. And you know, that was it was great. I'm alive. Yeah. And you know, look at it. They were doing the best of what they could with what they had. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that as I got older, I realized, and the internet was becoming like more of a thing where you could like <laughs> Google things, like Ask Jeeves had disappeared, Google was there. So I could really understand and find my own inf- information about what I thought was yeah. healthy and make these informed decisions. Um, and so, yeah, I did that. And then I went and I worked for a construction company, which I never really thought would be a pivotal moment. Probably, <laughs> but um, I worked with some French guys and they, it wasn't part of my contract to actually get food, but yeah. they would bring me food from like um, wherever they were getting their food from. It was varied sources, let's be honest. Yeah. And so they would bring me this food. But there was this guy who came on to um, the site and, you know, small country girl meets city boy. Yeah. And he really taught me a lot. Like he went into CrossFit and, yeah. you know, we would sneak out and train in our lunch breaks because our work site was opposite the public gym. Yeah. So we would go and then he introduced me to this whole world of nutrition and CrossFit <laughs> and all of these things. And I was like, how can this guy burn so much energy and still maintain weight and muscle and all of these things? And yeah. I was like, okay. So I really got involved in that and got even more involved in counting calories and yeah, well. things that I don't necessarily agree with, but it was a yeah. good opening point to where I realized, okay, food actually has a place in our emotions in how we feel, what, yeah. what happens in our body. Um, and from there I applied to study at uni and I actually, it was a toss up between journalism and nutrition. And I was like, you know what? I just want one response back from the uni so yeah. I don't have to make a choice. Yeah. And, I, and I did, it was nutrition. Yeah, and so cool. that's how I got to the point of studying nutrition. And then throughout my degree, I realized I actually didn't agree with what I was being taught either. I was like, this is really accurate. <laughs> and I just don't see how this is even valuable. Like how can the research and the guidelines, they don't actually marry up at the end of the day. And so I was really conflicted. So I started researching and finding my own information about that. And then I came across the work of Weston A. Price, who was yeah, yeah, a bit more, um, very different from what our Australian guidelines are, very yeah. holistic and very animal-based products and very naturalistic. Yeah. And I, it's that, almost like a bit, um, what's the, it's like ancient traditions. I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Yeah. More cultural type food. Yeah. Yeah. And like more ancestral. Yes. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. 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 So I've come across his work and I was like, I actually agree with that. Mm. Like the first time in this whole journey, that's what appeals to me. And it makes sense because I really believe we're to care for, if we're going to eat animals, we need to care for them, raise them well um, and consume them in a way that's also honoring to them. Yeah. And that is the whole ancestral Western A price, lots of animal things. And if we look through history, I think that's what a lot of our stuff was. I don't really see people a hundred years ago eating GM corn. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? Or- <laughs> intimate like veggie imitation um beef patties yeah or like beef flavored sausages that aren't made out of beef yeah i mean i'm sure they were eating mushrooms to some degree yeah but not in the way that we do today and like the whole processing of food life was slower yeah as well so processing was slower and different and i think yeah. that's something we really need to take a hold of in our lives as well as understanding that 
it is okay to have a bit of a slower life. We don't have to go with the flow and do what we're told in those ways. Like it's okay mm. to take time to prepare food because it shows that we respect the animals, we respect the plants and we respect ourselves and it's a love language. So yeah. I think it's really important to understand that. Yeah. yeah. I'm really excited. I'm about to get off topic, but on topic. I get the keys to the rent, the, this new rental house. We haven't lived in a house, like a proper house. We've lived in sheds and caravans. Why have you been going over properties for the last like four or years or something like that? And Jax has asked me to buy him an apron so that we can cook and he's asked me to buy muffin trays this weekend. And what else have we got to buy? We've got an omelet. So we've got an omelet pan because I cook oh, omelets all the time. He yeah. loves omelets because he's figured out it's bacon and eggs pre-cut. <laughs> so he loves it. Yeah. So he doesn't have to use a fork <laughs> knife because he's not very good with his knife yet. Um, and he gets to eat cheese with his breakfast. So he's all over it. And he loves like goats feta and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so he's asked if he can have an apron because we have a real kitchen now that we can cook in. And I was just like so excited that I was like, I don't even know if I'm ever going to leave my house, but just going to stay at home and cook all the time and yeah. eat stuff. But yeah, and he wants to put a veggie patch out the back. Oh, I'm so, so excited. That's going to be awesome. And isn't yeah. it great that he's engaged and he understands and processes that it's good. It's an yeah. enjoyable time. It's a point of connection for mum and I and yeah. dad as well. Like that's really special. Yeah, and he wants to bake muffins before dad gets home from work. So it's like, it's... Super cool that like his excitement of getting a house isn't the fact that he'll have his own bedroom or somewhere to put his toys or a backyard play. Well, actually, he's, he's excited about the backyard, but um, and he has somewhere to play with his dogs where the dogs don't need to be on bark and on like boundary collars or something. Um, but his most excitement about the fact is that we'll have a real kitchen that we can cook in, and then you know, and then we'll have a dining table that we can all sit down and have dinner. And I was like, this is super cool. Like I'm very grateful that that's how he sees it. But yeah. Um, so after you studied nutrition, you haven't actually worked until now as like a sole nutritionist, right? Yeah. So I did start a business. You did? Yeah. So, um, after an inspired European trip, I, I decided, <laughs> decided that I'd start practicing, but I didn't know exactly what I was practicing in. Like I knew oh. I wanted to help people. And so I was actually at, um, working at another gym yeah. and consulting from there. And I just couldn't get clients. I didn't love it. Like I was always counting calories for other people. Ooh. And I was like, I've done that for my own self. And I know how self-destructive that was for yeah. me. And I was like, I feel like a hypocrite doing this for other people. Like, uh, I think Do you, you don't see much value in counting calories. No, I don't think so. I think your body can intrinsically tell you how, yeah. you, how you're going. I think it's designed very, um, in a way that you should be able to tell how you're going, where things are tracking. Like yep. you should be able to notice those things. And if you can't, that's okay as well. That's what we're here for is nutrition. Part of the learning curve, right? Yeah, and yep. that's right. It's just to readjust. It's like when you start any new skill, if you're being neglecting your muscles, it hurts a lot when you start. Like, <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I know. <laughs> but yeah. it's the same as like teaching and understanding your own body cues. Like you're saying um, with Jack's, like he's excited because he sees the value in family and cooking and those relationships. Yeah. And that's what's being nurtured in him. In our yeah. culture, we don't nurture listening to our body. It's very yeah. fast paced and rushed. Like quick eat in the car, quick eat before you get to school, quick eat before this. Yeah. Like, we don't stop and think about the process and the consequences of that. Yeah. So it does take time to adjust back. So no, I don't really see the value in yeah. counting calories. And I don't think, you know, if you start a new dietary protocol and you put on weight, I actually don't care about that either. Like yeah, I think at the end of the day, there's obviously some nourishment that your body needs. And if you're going to put on weight to get there, fantastic. We can adjust that as your yeah. body gets healthier 
Um, I think energy is a good measure of health. If you're feeling energetic and fresh, things are going well. And you're like able to sleep comfortably and stuff like that too. Like I feel like that more unhealthy I've been in the past eating unhealthy, I've had more trouble sleeping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You should be able to get deep sleep and rest and your digestive system should not be keeping you up at night. Yeah. So Jake went away. It's interesting. Jake went away for the two weeks for work and by the fourth day in because he – because he's getting his food made for him out there on the camp. Yeah. He's like, it's really good. Like I can make my own pizzas or I can have a steak cooked or I can do this. But he's started to, he's been really conscious of what he's been eating there and just making good choices, except he's been eating five boiled eggs every day in the morning. I was like, how do your guts handle that? He's like, no, it's how do the boys handle it after I've eaten five? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he's like, he was eating really well. And then he was, we, he was wearing his watch, his Samsung watch to track his sleep cycles yeah. and he was getting really, really good REM cycle sleep. And then he came home and so there's this disruption of change of routine. And then we just ate heaps of whatever on the go because we were just like out and about hanging out. His sleep deteriorated so poorly in that week. It wasn't even funny. Wow. It's yeah. interesting. Like, isn't technology amazing that we can actually track that and see though? Like, yeah. So obviously he would notice himself because he's oh, yeah. waking up. It was like rat shit. Yeah. He hated it. <laughs> you know when you're grumpy. Yeah. As much as we're good at hiding it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got like a technological like device that's tracking it and going like, hey, yeah. if something's not okay, do yeah. something. And like all these things here in, in this statistic, like all this data that we've just collected, actually equals you being grumpy like we we can show you that <laughs> why on a data format why you're grumpy right now yeah absolutely but yeah and then so when you were in the gym last time doing nutrition and you weren't really finding much i guess value from what you're providing people what made you change like what did you do next um so i just decided that i wanted to go work in a brain dead job really where i didn't have to worry about i would respect that i totally respect that (laughs) and i'm just like i feel like i failed and i don't have the mental capacity to be able to do anything about it right now like i'm so down so i just want to go to a job that's easy that i know and i have a secure wage coming in every week yep um and so i did that for a little while but yeah I was not very happy. Yeah, you were fucking miserable, man. (laughs) I was was happy. (laughs) And so you just quit that though recently, right? Yeah. yeah. So cool. So no, no disrespect to my bosses and the job. Like it was actually a great, like great time for me to be there. Yeah. Like I said before, I think we're all created and wired to do something specifically, and that's our call in life. And this is my call in life, and so this is what I'm passionate about, and this is what gets me out of bed in the morning. So to be able to know that my energy is going towards that and I think that's really rewarding and so it's not necessarily that it was a good time or yeah uh, like a financially the best decision we've ever made like at the end of the day we can do it and that's great like my husband is amazing and super supportive and you know he said you might as well try and fail and get back up and go again. Yeah. Well, I don't really think it's failing, is it? It's like it's just learning. Yeah. Because you'll do it and then you, you might make a mistake or you might fail, as you said. Not that I see it as failing, but you might fall down and then you'll learn, I am never going to do that again. And yeah. then you get up and then you can be way better than you were last time because you know what not to do. Yeah, and that's right. And I think over time as well, like even working what I would refer to as my brain dead job, I realised who I cared about yeah. like, and what my passion was. And so... I realized that I actually care about families at the end of the day. Like 
I think the world functions if the family unit is strong. Yeah. And we have a lot of broken families and that's okay. Like every family is different and yeah. we can work with that. But I think there still needs to be, regardless of like, whether it's a mum and a dad or kids or just a mum and a dad, like we all need to integrate into society together. Yeah. Um, and we all need to be able to help each other. Um, and so I realised that I think mums are really neglected um, particularly after birth, like a lot of my friends have had children and just watching them go through the process and like the whole pregnancy. And then there's no real continuation of care that yeah. happens, like particularly in the public system um, where you have like multiple midwives, multiple doctors, lots of different information. Like my friends really struggled to know what was true. Yeah. And so we'd have these hard conversations and we'd be discussing it. And I really just was like, oh, I don't know because I've never looked, I've never researched, I've never formed my own opinion. Yeah. Um, and so I started researching on behalf of my friends and making these opinions. And I realized that really there's a solution out there for this. And that solution is probably me being yeah. able to help mums to know like to nourish them if like you know like we're saying with um before like if you change your diet you feel different like, mm. so if we can directly apply that into mums so they go through this traumatic event at birth regardless of however the child is birthed yeah and then we're like okay get back to life uh look after your family and be back at work by this time yeah i'm like well that's really unfair because you know, if we could see the scars that are happening on the inside of the body, if they were like visible to the outside, yeah, like there was a giant big wound, like a wound on the outside of the body from where the like placenta detached, and you saw yeah. that, you would be horrified, yeah, and you would be caring for that person, yeah. But even with cesareans, like even a lot of women that have had a cesarean, like they're like, oh, just don't do anything for twelve weeks or whatever. But at six weeks. The, you 100%, like 10, nine times out of 10, we see women at six weeks post cesarean who actually have a physical wound, like yeah. a physical outside wound that's like from hip to hip. Yeah. And we know they have it there, but because you can't actually physically see it outside of their clothing even, it's just ignored. Yeah, absolutely. And they're just expected, like you said, to just get back to things. Yeah, and that's right. Like mums are there and that's, you know, women who have birth children, they know that, they're expected to care for their kids. They're expected to make their husband's lunch. Like yeah. there's this expectation where it's just missed. And because we have this breakdown of family in our culture, it's really difficult because we don't necessarily have our moms coming to help us because they live far away or we don't have that strong relationship bond where we feel like we can even ask for help. Yeah. And, and if you do ask for help, sometimes it's like you it's almost like you're admitting that you're failing. Yeah. Which is this other silly expectation that we've had put on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So there's like a whole host of things that yeah. go on around pregnancy and birth and just even like just education. Yeah. People are unaware. Like my friend, after she had her child, she's like, I didn't realize I had to birth the placenta. And oh my God, I didn't know about that until we went to the birthing class, which was like a couple of weeks before we had the baby. And it was just before we got sent for lunch. Oh. So we're sitting in there and they're like showing us the birth and Jake's just like, his face was, and then, and then they were like, oh cool, the baby's born. And then, and then they were like, 
all right. And then they started massaging the mom's tummy and then the placenta got birth and Jake's like, the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, Tony, what is that? And they're like, oh, that's the placenta. You birth the placenta afterwards. And I was like, it doesn't just come out with the baby. And like, no. And I was like, I feel like that's something I probably should have got learned, like taught and learned. Should have got taught in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's your body at the end of the day. Yeah. You know you're growing a child. Yeah. You know that there's a placenta there. Yeah. But we never really think about how it gets out. <laughs> and so, like, even the consequences of, like, in our Western society of, like, our rush and our got to get things moving and, you know, whatever, we don't, we're not patient with birthing the placenta either. Mm. So there can be a lot of damage done psychologically to women and to the partners. Yeah. Um, like you just said, he was very freaked out. <laughs> yeah. Like, it wasn't even Michael Center. It was what we watched <laughs> on a movie on like the TV on yeah. the presentation. Like. And that's right. And this friend of mine, um, she told me this traumatic experience where they basically um, were pulling the placenta out because it wasn't happening fast enough. Yeah, wow. And so she had these huge, huge, like if you put any force on anything in your body, yeah. like it's going to rip, it's going to bleed even more than it would naturally. Yeah. And so she had not only this psychological trauma then to carry around, but this physical hurt and pain that nobody could see or understand. Yeah. And so that really, like, that was really distressing for me. And I was like, well, why? Like, yeah. that's not okay. What doctor did that? Like, I want to talk to him. Yeah, doctor. yeah. Like, I'm going to ring him right now. <laughs> yeah, I want to let him know that that's not okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just led to this spiral of research where I realized there's so much we can do for mums yeah. and support them and just equip them to be able to ask for help without feeling like it's a shameful thing or yeah. like they're failing. Like, like you said to me, it's not failure really. Yeah. It's, it's new. Motherhood is new. Like yeah. we're really patient with teenagers going through puberty. Like yeah. their body's adjusting. It's new. We're patient yeah. with them. Like, hello, the same thing's happening for motherhood, but yes. we're not patient with them. We're not like, Oh, Hey, um, your hormones are just all over the place because you just delivered a baby and a placenta and now your milk's coming in. Yeah. But um, can you act like a normal human being? Like, yeah, yeah. The Not Yeah. The expectation is unreal. And so I'm just here to really help mums and parents realise, hey, why why are we believing this? Like, yeah. This is what the evidence says. So it's more than nutrition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Nutrition can only go so far. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, if, if we're really helping them understand or feel empowered about making choices around food that's in the best interest of them for them their family and their you know their new babies especially yeah. if they're breastfeeding and stuff like that then I feel like a lot of the fuzz like I feel like you get a lot of brain fog from just eating whatever on the go when you're in those especially those first six weeks that you were saying to me earlier about how you really like passionate about definitely supporting those first six weeks yeah. like I feel like from when I had Jack's like and also because I had like spinal tap, and I had a cesarean, I had all this medication, I had all this stuff. So I was already fuzzy as shit from all that. But I think it's this mad whirlwind. And for me, it was a really big grieving process. So I almost felt like I was in grief mm-hmm. rather than in a new dislike. And, you know, I had to, I had to grieve who I was, try and find who I, who I am now. And in the middle of that, I still had to like cook food and yeah. eat. And like, if, if there's someone like yourself, who's just giving guidance around that, that's one less thing my brain has to be committed to, but I know my body is getting looked after and in turn, my brain health, and I'm able to go through that emotional process a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. Like we're seeing a huge rise in um, like postnatal depression and anxiety mm-hmm. as well. Um, and if you think about like five o'clock, you're asking yourself, what are you having for dinner? Like if you do that on a normal day, it's a lot of stress. Then you yeah. add all of these other factors. Like 
I'm not really surprised. Like to grow a baby takes a lot of nutrients. It takes a lot from your body mm -hmm. to go through trauma that also depletes the body. And then to feed in any form, whether breastfeeding formula, however you're feeding like that, that's not the issue. That also takes a lot because you're healing from the last nine months that whatever one or two day birthing mm -hmm. process and then you're going forward so you're actually in a depleted state and, and then sleep deprivation yeah. and all those things so your energy yeah. is already deprived and sucked dry absolutely whether you're yeah breastfeeding or formula feeding because you're sitting up giving that child comfort and emotional there's like yeah there's emotional energy exchanged etc yeah yeah and you're supporting your partner at the same time as much yeah. as they're supporting you yeah Mums are the backbone yeah. at the end of the day and they're trying to help everyone. They're trying to understand their baby's new cues and all of this. And so they're in this depleted state. And so when you're in a depleted state, your body has to start pulling nutrients from places that it shouldn't be pulling nutrients from. And yeah, that's yeah. your brain and that's your bones. Yeah. Um, and this is how come we see and muscles as well, like glucose stores in muscles. And teeth deterioration is pretty common in pregnancy now too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hair loss. So yeah. all of these things, like your body basically just starts falling apart because mm. there's nothing holding it together anymore. You don't have those nutrients gluing your body together. So what I think is really important is understanding that if you're pregnant, mm. it's a great place to start nourishing your body. But really, we should have been nourishing our body like well prior to conception. Yeah, and that's not always possible. And that, you know starting now is better than never starting yeah and so if we can nourish the body from there that's great and i think there's heaps of resources around that yeah um birth you know if that's a, such an individual thing like yeah. nobody necessarily wants to be sitting on bone broth ice cubes or like yeah. doing that like that is completely individualized and yeah. you need to decide that for yourself but then there's this like post-birth area that we don't really think necessary about like yeah, sure, friends and family bring us food. Yeah. But, like, what if the person's actually a celiac, like, and people don't know or, like, they have an intolerance and they're, like, well-meaning and they're bringing this stuff. And, and then you have like, nothing else in the house, so you eat it anyway. Yeah. And so yeah. then you further deplete the body. And so I think it's really important that we address that and understand and empower women before they give birth to say, hey, actually, these are the types of foods that I would like delivered if yeah. you're going to have food delivered. Or, hey, um, I've got a stack of things that just go in the slow cooker. Can you put it in there for me? And yeah. empowering them to make those choices around food where they can say, uh, actually, thanks, but I don't eat lasagna. Like, it makes yeah. me sick and I'm already feeling pretty terrible. Like, yeah. I just hurt the child. So I think it's important to be able to talk about nutrition in that respect. And like we said, Weston A. Price, his, his work is very wholesome. It's yeah. very easy, super easy to digest. Like, your body's just gone through so much trauma in the birthing process. The last thing your digestive system is like, ooh, give me some raw leafy greens that are really <laughs> difficult to digest. Yeah. Nobody can digest kale after birth. I'm just talking about that. I don't know if you're very good at digesting kale in general, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> so it's like it's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that is another podcast. But it is important that we understand that there are foods that are going to be more nourishing yeah. and easier to digest. And better for us that are warm and we want to keep the body warm yeah we want to be able to promote healing which is warmth nourishment and we want to do it with the least amount of food possible because your digestive system has been compacted up and yeah as there's not space in there yeah in the moment and things are going to change and we so we just want to make it as easy as possible for mum and her family yeah and then for the body to do its job and so if we can just get the most nutrient dense food in there yeah 
awesome. So the questions I had for you at the end here was to, if you were to give three, t- three tips to a new mum around nutrition and nourishment, but I think it should be three tips that you would give to someone who's trying to support yeah. a new mum. Cool. Sorry, I put that on you on the spot there. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, I think that's great. Tip yeah. number one, you may feel awkward offering help, but they must feel as awkward asking for help. Yeah. So you're just, you're the one who's on the outside. You're the one who has the capacity to support in this time. Yeah. So put on your big, big people shoes and just yeah. go and ask for help. Like you just, sometimes you have to put those awkward emotions aside um, and, you know, just listen to what they're saying. Like if it's put my laundry on, I use this laundry detergent, do that. Like yeah. do what they want. It's not your house. It's not your timing. Yeah. It's not you about it's not about you seeing the baby and feeling fulfilled. It's about you supporting the person. And so that means you have to really hear what they're saying. Yeah. And that might be, you know, somebody might say, Hey Jess, I actually just can't have help right now. I need to sleep. Yeah. And it's okay to feel that rejection if that's what you feel. Yeah. And put it aside and work through that and go, actually, they probably do need rest and that's okay. I'll check on them tomorrow. Yeah. So that would be my first tip is just to just get over it. Yeah. Make sure that you ask them for help. And actually genuinely listen to the answer. Don't yeah. Don't take in what you want to hear when you ask a question. Yeah, that's right. You've got to listen to understand. Yeah. Um, tip number two would be start offering them help before they give birth. Yeah. So whether that means, you know, if you cook and prepare meals for yourself and you put them in the freezer, go around to your friend's house and be like, hey, I made this soup. There was extra here's some for your freezer. Yeah. Like, or if they don't have freezer space and you have freezer space, just start preparing for them. Yeah. I think that's really important um, is just to make a way that there's always a safe place where somebody can come to you and say, I really need something. Mm. So like, do you have any any space for me to store this food or yeah. can you cook this for me? And I think we've got to start looking after families from well before that birth point. Mm. Um, because if it's just after birth, that's like the most really hard time for anyone to come into a new house when the mom and dad are trying to work it all out. So I think supporting them before birth and then giving them the, their space, but still you've already built that rapport and relationship that yeah. they know that they can call on you. Yeah. Um, and my third bit of advice, I think would be to like rally your friends. Yeah. You, you can't support somebody on your own. Yeah. Um, and there's heaps of great resources that you can do. There's like meal trains. So it's like a program where you go online yeah. um, and you sign your friends up. And then so, you know, they know that Susie's going to deliver meals on Tuesday and then Sally does Wednesday. Yeah. And it can be planned out for however many months, weeks, whatever yeah, well. you do. And so I think there's really great resources like that. Um, I'm going to make it four because I have another... Yeah, okay, go, go for it, go for it. Yeah. Well, we're going to do five. We came down to three. So four's a good medium. Four's, four's a good medium. medium. Yeah. And this is like more for women going to baby showers because I think it's more a woman's <laughs> too many guys uh, in my life that go to baby showers. Don't just take a present for the baby. Take yeah. a present for the mum. Like, she's just seen through something pretty, pretty stressful and horrific in its own right and beautiful. Like, it really is. Yeah. But take a present for her. Like whether that's just an Epsom salts bath or some tea for her afterwards yeah. or just some nice cream. Like it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't yeah. have to be fancy, but it sends a message to the mum that 
actually care about you yeah and i care about you more than this lovely new bundle of life that's come in and i'm here to support not only you but your baby and your partner and yeah. that i'm here for your family so i think it's really important that if you're going somewhere and it's a gift bringing opportunity yeah make sure everyone's involved don't leave anyone out yeah cool awesome and so you've rebranded now to working more with postpartum mums and you said that your um main interest is in those six weeks in the first six weeks supporting the best that you can so if someone wanted to come in contact with you and take advantage of your services or even come to you to get advice on how to help someone else who might need your services is like how's the best way to get in with you what's your facebook instagram like how do we get onto that do you have a website yeah so the best way to contact me is probably through social media yeah um so um my page is ebenezer nutrition yeah um and that's the same on facebook it's the same on instagram and it's also my website yeah so cool it's just all the w's ebenezernutrition.com <laughs> um and if you want to send an email it's just hello at ebenezer nutrition oh that's and, super easy <laughs> yeah super easy yeah but definitely the best way to get a hold of me and yeah, I love the first six weeks, but I also think postpartum is a lifetime thing. As yeah, well. so 100%. It goes way beyond that. Yeah. And I'm not just going to be cut you off at six weeks and be like, see ya. It's, yeah, yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. So, no, I just yeah. think it's a good point of difference that you can identify those first six weeks and be like, all right, this is probably where we need to not intensify it with the mum, but probably take more ownership as friends and dads to help make sure that that mum gets supported and nourished and you're able to help them with that. So I think that's really, really awesome. But yeah, thank you so much for coming today and doing this with me. And I'm sure I'll get you back on again about more topics, maybe even digesting kale. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. And I'll pop, um, when I post this, I'll try and pop all your links on there too. Awesome. Thanks, cool. Jess. No problem. Thank you.